Welcome, this is Tapping into Creativity, a podcast in which we explore the magic that happens when creativity, art and education meet. We are a group of professionals and pioneers from Ireland, Greece, Serbia, Austria and the Netherlands working together. By sharing stories, we hope to learn about successful practices throughout Europe and inspire you with the lessons learned. I am Manja Eland and I am Linda Rosen. We are your hosts. Hi, Linda. How are you today? Hey, Manja. I'm good. I'm very happy to introduce you to Sonja Krasmanovic from Serbia. Looking forward to it. So can you share us a little bit of what you take away from that? Well, first of all, I have to say Sanya is one of the project partners in our ITAPD project. So we've known and worked with her for the last year and a half, I think. Mm -hmm. So for me, this interview was very nice because I had time to ask her all sorts of questions about her and her life before the project that we got to know her in. And... Why did she have an interesting life? But um, as she mentions in the interview, she's turning 60. So she has a long career already behind her. And yeah, we walked through her whole career. It was quite personal, I think. And I really liked that. Oh, nice. Yes. And she was reminiscing how in the beginning of her career, she had mentors who helped her and got her into teaching dance to four and five years old. So first she was a dancer, then she got to be a dance teacher. Mm -hmm. And then also she talks about being a dancer and a dance teacher in, at the time, Yugoslavia. Mm -hmm. And it was war. And how the war triggered her to also want to use words in her performances. Oh, wow. Because as a dancer, she didn't speak. And she felt she missed something. She wanted to protest loudly to the war. So that got her to go into theater. That's so interesting. So she really found her voice in these challenging times. Exactly. And of course, war is horrible. And the reason she wanted to find her voice, of course, is yeah, painful. But I think looking back on her life, she went into theater, got into a theater group, on which she also talks about. So I think... It's just a really nice personal account of a life well lived, a career well spent. And I hope she can inspire other people to also mm -hmm. find their voice. I really look forward to that. Thanks for the introduction and let's dive in. So today I am joined by Sanja Krasmanovic-Tasic from Belgrade. Hi, Sanja. Hello, Linda. Hi. It's so nice that you could make the time to have this conversation with me today. Could you please introduce yourself to our listeners? My name is, uh, as you heard in a very good pronunciation from Linda, <laughs> Sanja Krasmanovic-Tasic. It is a challenge, especially my uh, first surname. It is my father's surname, and Tasic is the surname of my husband and of my children. I am a theater practitioner and dance practitioner from Serbia. I was born in Yugoslavia, but now I live in Serbia. I must say this is a very important fact for me. And also I am a dance and drama teacher. So I'm really involved as a teaching artist all my life in sharing 
in doing educational work with uh, children, young people, and all ages of people who are interested in really developing their self through creative techniques of art. That sounds amazing. Am I assuming right that you started as a dancer and a theater artist? Yes, actually, all my life I was dancing. I think I started to dance before I started to walk, as my mother would say. Wow. So I was really young, four years old, when I went for the first time to a dance studio. And I can say that my education is still going on. It never stops. <laughs> Because if you're an artist that wants to develop your own skills, you really have to learn all the time. You have to be curious. You have to be open. You have to investigate, research, find out new things, develop yourself. I think this is normal for any person, not only an artist. Yeah, of course. If you want to really live life fully. Yeah and grow as a human being. That sounds like a good life lesson already. And we're only in four minutes. <laughs> so can you uh, tell me what it is with dancing that triggered you to spend your life dancing? I think actually the whole point is that when you dance, for me, when you are immersed in the art that you really feel is your art, is your essence, is your core, you then feel that there is no time and place that time dissolves, place dissolves, you're just there, you're being there, you're so much alive. And I think that is the feeling of utmost freedom that you feel. And I think all artists and people who are involved in art have this feeling that they are immersed in it and that they really become alive while doing it. Yeah. But my turning point actually happened in the beginning of the 90s because I was a choreographer. I was a dance teacher developing many techniques. I was working in a very, very interesting and new project that was called Skoligrica. That was uh, actually this creative uh, kindergarten for children where children would choose to which uh, room to go and what art to experience mm -hmm. so i was teaching creative movement there this is how we called it not dance but creative movement mm -hmm. and then in the 90s in my country yugoslavia war started yes and all at once uh, i felt that my art dance did not speak out about the war as i wanted it to I would create a dance and everybody would say, oh, it's so passionate, it's so beautiful. I would say, well, it's against the war. It's my protest against the war. And people just didn't get it. So I went to a workshop, a theater workshop, and it was uh, conducted by a new laboratory theater in Belgrade mm -hmm. called Dach Theater, mm -hmm. D-A-H. It means breath. Just to learn some uh, techniques of using my voice, of being able to speak, because I wanted to make some uh, activist, protestive art against the war. And I just stayed in that theater group for the next 21 years <laughs> and became an actress and uh, also uh, working a lot with choreography, but really performing on stage, yeah. singing, using my voice, learning a new skill. Because you were missing your voice in the dance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. I was searching for my voice about elaborate and really clear way to express my opinions about the war. So that was my true motivation to go to this workshop, not knowing that I will stay in this theater, yeah. do many anti-war performances, travel the whole world, because Oof. it is really a world-famous 
Oh, that's amazing. That's a really interesting turn of events then, how war can also trigger something as big as this for you. Yes, exactly. So thank you for all these answers. Can you tell me what your function or your role is now? Well, I don't know. It feels for me a little bit like bragging because when I have to list now what I'm doing, and I think when you come to a moment in life, I just realized that actually next year, not this year yet, but next year I will turn 60. So ah. it's really, I mean, it's a mature age. And this is a moment <laughs> when you feel that you have to really open spaces for others, that you have to support and mentor younger people to be more involved in our field. Mm -hmm. And our field is really arts education, first of all, and of course, art, creating performing arts. This is what we are dedicated. I speak in plural because I'm speaking yeah. of myself and my colleagues from my theater group that is called Klep Theater that mm -hmm. I'm uh, artistic director of and uh, director. And also I'm speaking about Center for Drama in Education and Art. That is for me one of the most, and for most of the people in Serbia, one of the most epicenters that really gives a place for teaching artists, from teachers, for different psychologists, sociologists, different people who are interested in creative education to work and to express themselves. Mm -hmm. I have become, of course, I'm present in Sedeum from its founding in 1999, mm -hmm. when it was founded by Ljubica Beljanski-Ristic and another group of really dedicated and amazing people. I have been involved in BITEF Polyphony. This is a program that we have as a side program of BITEF from the beginning of SEDEUM. And so in 2014, I was lucky to be elected president of this association, mm -hmm. and I have been working in it since But also since 2020, because I have been very much involved with IDEA, International Drama Theatre and Education Association. Mm -hmm. Of course, it's a worldwide association. I have been involved in many uh, activities, being an elected officer, giving a lot of my time and dedicated voluntary work to this association. I have been elected in December 2020 as the president of this world organization. Ah. So that's, that's, that's a lot of roles. How do you manage your time? <laughs> exactly. This is what I wanted to say. As an artist, I feel a little bit strange to, you know, I'm not like in a corporation where I want to be a CEO. And now it happens I'm some kind of a CEO, but in our field, in the field of yeah. arts education and art. Yes. I'm sure you could not see that coming when you started doing uh, dancing and uh, theater in the 90s. <laughs> no, exactly no. But, you know, I'm an independent artist with the uh, Drama Association of Serbia. This is my, like, official uh, roof. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, when you have a theater group that is uh, completely independent, you really have to learn all different skills. You have to learn production, you have to learn fundraising, you have to be your own tour manager, you have to learn so, so many things that are practical. You know, for me, it was a little bit strange to learn all these things, mm -hmm. but you just gain these skills and you learn how to also perhaps lead others, you know, how to organize work. And yeah. so I think this is the skills that you have to learn to be able to do your art. And it's normal. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. And you were saying, reaching almost 60, 
you are thinking about how to transmit or to educate your skills and give more space to young people. How do you go about that? I always really love to work with young people because they inspire me and I always have something to learn from them. Mm -hmm. So it is a mutual line of learning, of giving, of taking, of developing. And I really believe that every person can give their own contribution and input in whatever phase they are or however old they are. You learn so much even from children when you work with them. So, you know, we always try to incorporate new people to have at least volunteers or interns, just as you did in COPPA for our ITAPD meeting. So it is very valuable experience. And sometimes it takes a little more time because you need to explain more, but you just have to be tolerant and have a little patience. And very soon, these young newcomers will become very, very good collaborators for any project. Yeah, that sounds about right. So you started out as a dancer, like an artist, but when did you decide to become a teacher in this practice and why? Yes, it is interesting because actually I joined when I was really young, 19 years old. I joined dance troupe led by Smiljana Mandukic, that is one of the pioneers of contemporary dance in Serbia. Mm -hmm. So she was really old at that time. I was just 19 and maybe she was 78, 79 years old. So she thought that I was quite talented and that I should dedicate myself to art. But knowing how difficult it is in our country, especially with contemporary dance in that moment in the 80s, she took me by the hand and took me to a kindergarten that is close to our hall where we were practicing our choreographies and said, okay, Sanya, now you will teach dance here. And I said, Mm -hmm. I have no idea. How will I teach dance here to the children? And she said, well, all that we do, all the exercises, we just simplify it and think, how will you be able to teach it to young children? And I see that you are very creative. You like to play games. Just play the games with the kids. Mm -hmm. And it was just a really small, four or five years old. Of course, it was not just like that, you know, after I started training dance when I was four and for so many years in continuum, I was doing dance, I was practicing, I was doing all kinds of techniques, you know, classical dance, contemporary, jazz, tap, anything you can name. And so I started like that and she taught me because she was also a dance teacher So with her mentorship, I started to learn what does it mean. And very soon I even formed my own dance studio and that was really successful with my colleagues. And we were running it. I was having a dance studio and developing this educational work in creative Mm -hmm. dance, creative movement, then more and more theatrical way of doing art for 20 years. And then after 20 years, I decided to close the studio and to finish this phase of my work because I realized I could not dedicate myself so much. We were touring a lot Mm -hmm. with the theater group and I just could not dedicate. You know, it needs continuity. It needs really dedication to work with children or do educational work. So that sounds like you had a mentor, but her way of teaching you... It sounds a bit like she threw you into the deep and made you swim to the shore. Exactly. (laughs) Interesting. Yes. 
you said, well, you know, if you want to be an artist, there is a way also that you could learn, you know, educational, mm -hmm. you could be more involved. But what is really bizarre that after the years, I realized I'm supporting with my artwork as a professional artist that is performing and going on tours. I'm sometimes really supporting educational projects. Mm -hmm that have no money, mm -hmm. arts education projects. Some people would think it's the other way around. But I can also tell you my really deep dedication and fascination with the drama and theater education. Yeah. And that started long ago when I was just eight years old. Okay. I was a small girl that was completely displaced because my father was a Yugoslav diplomat. Mm -hmm. And we moved when I was eight years to India. Ah. I came to a school where I did not know the language, English, a little bit. You know, of course you don't when you're eight years old. I had no friends. It was a very difficult period of uh, somehow trying to fit in, mm -hmm. in a very strange environment that I was not familiar with. I felt really unhappy, you know, and also my family was going through a rough time trying to adapt to India, to this new place where we would stay the next four years. And then there was a wonderful drama teacher who said, oh, you know how to dance. You're quite good with the body. Come to that drama classes. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I don't know what that is, but it will help with your English. So as a child, I went, I experienced drama theater education. Okay. And it was such a healing an important process for me to adapt, to learn English, to express myself. Mm -hmm. I found my voice then. Wow. It was really beautiful. I really, really remember that as a very strong and important moment in my life yeah. that helped me so much. So this is why when I realized, okay, drama, theater, and way to speak, that is something that is so important. So after, you know, it's my two loves, actually, drama, theater, and dance. Mm -hmm. So I try to combine it all, also in my performances and all that I do. It sounds really interesting how you, as a young child, how the arts helped you. Yes. So we are working together, of course, in our project ITPD. And you from the Sedeum initiative and me from COPA. But can you explain something to me about how arts education in schools in, at the moment in Serbia is organized? We have very dominant visual arts and we have very dominant music education. Mm -hmm. It's really incredible because, for example, we still have something from the socialist system, and that is a very developed network mm -hmm. of music schools. Any child that has talent for music can go and for free mm -hmm. learn to play a classical instrument from accordion to guitar to violin to piano, anything they like. Okay. My two children went and finished music schools, elementary and high school for a clarinet, for a guitar and piano and for singing. And it was all free. Considering also we have, as part of the curriculum in the schools, we have music education. That means you learn the elements, the basics about music. Mm -hmm. It is not maybe so creative. It is a lot about listening to music, understanding music. But I think it is obligatory subject for many kids in elementary school and in the secondary or mm -hmm. uh, high school until 18. And these music lessons in the classroom, are these facilitated by musicians or by the teacher? 
it is by special musicians, or I can say people who are educated in the music academy. So it's artists that are teaching, that are on a salary, that are part of the school system, but they are artists who had also pedagogy in their academy of music in the university studies. The second thing is the visual arts. In the first four years of uh, school, Mm -hmm. the elementary school, until the kids are 10, they really, no, until they're 12, actually, because it's from 7 to 11, 12. The teacher that teaches all the subjects Mm -hmm. teaches also visual art. But then from when they are 11, 12, until the end of the high school or a secondary school, they have an artist that finished the academy of visual fine arts, visual or arts, I don't know, fine arts, I think is better Mm -hmm. expression, teaches in the school and gets a salary as any teacher and works with the children or the young people in uh, expressing themselves, you know, with painting, drawing, all different techniques. Beside that, we have a special secondary schools. Maybe you have it also in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. It is a dance school only for the ones talented for dance, elementary and secondary. We have, of course, these music schools, but the music schools are parallel. Yes. You have your regular studies and you go to the music school. Mm. We have the visual arts secondary school that has different subjects. It has, you know, like graphic art or painting or, you know, it depends what you choose and so on. But uh, this is really, artists teach it and it's very well developed. Okay. But dance and theater, drama... No, (laughs) we are nothing. (laughs) No, not at all. We are the ones that are sneaking into the school after the classes, (laughs) working with the children. We have a lot of teachers who love drama theater. Some of them dance and we help them. We support them to learn Mm -hmm. more. We collaborate with them. And this is how we go through, as we say, through the little door into the school. Yeah. 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 And not on a salary like the other artists. Not at all. So you said with the music that the music schools and in the schools, they teach the, like the more technical aspects, not the creative music making, but more the learning notes and listening to each other and everything. How is that for the visual arts? Is it also very technical? Well, it all depends on the teaching artist. You know, mm-hmm. I think in some parts they even have to learn history of art, you know, more theory. But I know that people who are more creative really work in a wonderful way with children and young people in schools. They experiment, they do great things, but it's really, I think they have a kind of a structure what they should teach, but it's on them to find creative ways how they do it. Okay. And some of them are maybe not too, they're more rigid, you know, they ask more for technique, but some of them are very creative in how they do it. Yeah. So it's really, it's luck. <laughs> what school you go to and who's your... <laughs> of course. Of co- but I think that's with all subjects. Yeah. If you have an inspired teacher, you're very lucky. So... Of course, you are now in a position being president of some organizations that you have some influence. Do you use this influence for like lobby to the government? Yes, I try all the time. I really try all the time. It is about knocking on doors over and over again. The biggest problem is that actually sometimes Mm -hmm. the doors open, but then a new political situation happens and new Mm -hmm. people come. 
you know, and the doors are shut again. Oh, of course, yeah. You know, so it's always, it is an ongoing process. And sometimes for me, it is really difficult because you feel you go one step forward and two steps backwards. And yeah. it is so exhausting because in one moment in Serbia, at the beginning of the 21st century, we had a really wonderful new president that came. His name was Zoran Djindjic, and he started a lot of reforms. One of the biggest reforms was, and Sedem was really involved in that work, was to have drama and theater in schools. Mm -hmm. You know, there was even textbook and training for people to learn how to do it and all that. And that was for two years. There was a pilot program. And then it is really sad for me to say this, but they assassinated our young, wonderful, optimistic president. They killed him, you know. And then when he was assassinated, somehow the whole country went 10 steps backwards, I think, you know. And mm. drama theater was just as it never happened in the school. It was just all the reforms were stopped. Yeah. And the new politicians that came on power, you know, I think they were so frightened of their own shadow and they just started to be so rigid in everything they did. So I feel, you know, sometimes when I think of it, I think that even we had a little more freedom, you know, when we were growing up and going to school than now, you know, I think uh, even the principals of the school are so afraid that Maybe they don't do some wrong step mm -hmm. and they're afraid of arts, you know, because arts gives a lot of freedom yeah. to the children and free thinking and critical thinking, yeah. uh, you know, drama theater develops that. Yeah. So it is difficult. Yeah, I can imagine. But I'm now thinking it's very hard to do these big steps and official letters and official. So what I'm thinking now, what can we do? Some small proactive actions. And one of them is an action I, I have started a few years ago, maybe in 2020, actually. It is ring the bells for arts education. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nothing, but it's advocacy. Mm -hmm. It's really making people aware. And my big inspiration was Tinti Karpinen from IDEA, from my uh, international organization, who said, OK, we have IDEA Day. I give a little bell to all the kids in schools and they will ring the bell and remind people how important it is to have drama theater in schools. Mm -hmm. So I thought this should be action for all arts education, you know. So we started it and then people were ringing the bells and it was really very nice at noon. Mm -hmm. And it happened on Monday mm -hmm. at the beginning of the international UNESCO International Arts Education Week, the last week of May. So people were ringing around the world for 24 hours, you know, and it's, it seems like an Antigona's gesture, something very symbolic. But I feel that even these little steps can change the world because it is making people aware. People will say, what is this noise? Who is ringing the bell? Who is playing this strange instrument? Yeah. And they would say, it's for arts education. Let's all have arts education, you know. So now is the third year. And I have just talked to, because I am part of the Presidential Council of the World Alliance for Arts Education, mm -hmm. WAAE. And we have representatives from the Music Association, Dance Association and Visual Arts Association. And my colleagues accepted that we should do it again mm -hmm. this May on the first day of the Art International Arts Education Week. So what I can say, just ring the bells for arts education or play an instrument or make a noise because people have to hear how many of us want 
arts education in schools? How many of us really believe that it can change the world for the better? Yeah. And especially as peace education. Peace education. Yes. We decided to dedicate this year's International Week of Arts Education to Arts Education for Peace. Mm-hmm. Because we all believe that this is a moment that really the world needs so much. Not only Ukraine, but also Africa, many, many continents. There are so many struggle, a lot of violence. Mm-hmm. So we have to think mm-hmm. in what way can arts education really can change mm-hmm. Even if we change one person, one child, if we give this child a vision that another world is possible, freedom is possible, it can be done through art, I think. There's a really nice quote, which I think is coming from Astrid Lindgren. And she said, everything great that ever happened in the world first started in somebody's mind. And I think this is why arts education is important. Yeah, I agree. That's very nice. I think we have to all think how we can join this initiative yes. of uh, arts education for peace. Very relevant. So teachers and artists working in partnership. I think we've discussed this before in the project. In Serbia, it's not a common practice at the moment. Is that true? It actually does not exist except in some sporadic cases. <laughs> that, that mm-hmm. Spontaneously, people would work together. Yeah teachers and artists, yeah. but not in this way. No. So, of course, you joined the project ITAPD. Can you tell me what you hope this initiative will do for improving arts education? I think it's a very, very valuable uh, initiative. And it actually started already in uh, 2017 with Europe in Perspective that uh, also CDEUM was involved. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was for us very exciting that we had to somehow recruit. We we had a call for people to join, uh, that it would be teachers and artists going, traveling together and going through this uh, program. So it was, uh, for me, always fascinating because I heard a lot of these uh, cases of partnership between artists and teachers through IDEA, through the international organization. Mm -hmm. For example, uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know, Linda, in France, it is a very developed way of of bringing arts into schools. It is through partnership of teachers and artists. So I have always been inspired. But of course, one of the biggest obstacles is how to really find schools that are open for this kind of programs because it is not official. So we have to do it as non-formal, you know, NGO. Through the little door. We have to go there just and try and do it. And then we also have to find ways to pay the artists. Mm, yeah. Because I think this is really important. Most of the artists that are interested in this program are actually independent artists that have no regular means of support mm-hmm. and they are really a lot of them dedicated to arts education. They're mm-hmm. teaching artists. They they want to go into schools, they want to develop in this way, but we have to find ways to fund the project and to open as many doors as possible, especially in the schools. It depends on the school principal, director of the school, and also we realized we have to have these motivated teachers. Yeah. 
who will really lobby and work from the inside. Mm -hmm. And thanks to European perspective and also to ITPD, we now have a network of teachers that are very much dedicated. So you hope you're building a fertile ground for working in partnership? Hopefully. You say you have to find funding. How would you do? How would you go about? Because here in the Netherlands, I can tell you, we have foundations that are dedicated to arts education. Do you have the same in Serbia? Our biggest problem is that we always fall in between the gap. Mm -hmm. And the gap is that we have the Ministry of Education mm -hmm. and we have the Ministry of Culture. Mm. <laughs> and arts education falls between the gap. Mm. So when we knocked on the doors of the Ministry of Education, they said, oh, this is not for us. Go to the Ministry of Culture. Yeah. They deal with arts. You know. Then you go there to the Ministry of Culture and they said, Oh, this is education. This is not pure art, you know. Yeah. So if give me some art per project, this is not for us. Go to the Ministry of Education. <laughs> so this is our biggest issue. And yeah. I experienced it trying to, as a teaching artist, as a, also an artist, a professional theater artist and dance artist, I really try to uh, bridge this gap. But it is very difficult, believe me, because they just say, go to the other ones. Yeah. And to be honest, we get more support from the Ministry of Culture mm -hmm. for this kind of projects. So we can apply and we get some funding. But unfortunately, it's not a long-term project, like for many years. Yeah. It's for that year. You know, you get funding for this current year. You have to finish the project until December. And then you fund it. But I must tell you, uh, <laughs> talking about my colleagues and myself, we are crazy enthusiasts. <laughs> we will do it even without money. <laughs> so <laughs> we will really find ways how to do it because we believe in it and, and we really think it makes a difference. Yeah. So we will find ways, I'm certain. Yeah. Well, until the people on power or the ministers or somebody realizes how important it is. Yeah. But until we have to ring the bells <laughs> to remind them. <laughs> it's just, even though the situation in the Netherlands is so different than it is in Serbia or Greece or Ireland, because I had some conversations, of course, with colleagues from other countries as well, this is always something that comes up with people who uh, talk to government, for example, that interdisciplinary working in government, in policy, is difficult and it needs to change because the world is not divided into small boxes. Everybody's in constant connection. Yes. If you look back now in your long career, I'm asking you to share a story of one of the finest moments. What story comes to mind? It's funny because now, you know, I'm really thinking... Not about a nice story, but of a very horrific story. <laughs> And it's strange. <laughs> well, that's that's also all right. Because I'm sure there's something to learn. Of course, you know, there were there were such amazing uh, moments. And you know, I can say one of the hardest stories when I was touring in New Zealand in Wellington. Mm -hmm. And I was uh, performing in a performance called the, the Helen Keller Case. And my role was of Helen Keller. We worked on this performance for one year, you know, with blindfolds. It was such an exciting project. And I think it was the highlight of my career, actually, as an actress, the biggest accomplishment. And then we were in Wellington and then we got a phone call. We performed in the evening and in the morning at 8 a.m. We got a phone call from journalists. And we were joking that, oh, we were so successful already. In this <laughs> 
But then they called us and told us that the bombing started. The NATO bombing of our city, of our country started. And I had in Belgrade my two children, my husband, my parents, everybody. And it was such a devastating moment. So in the evening, we performed once more and returned, of course, in the best possible way to Serbia. So that was a very, very horrific and very strong moment for me. And I don't know why I thought about it first, but I must tell you there is another moment. And this is when I was teaching disabled dancers. Mm-hmm. And there were other dancers, of course, like not normal. I don't know how you say just dancers and people who were people with disability, young people with disability. And there was a wonderful uh, young man called Neven. It was in Montenegro. Mm-hmm. I was invited to teach. And this enriches me so much. This, you cannot imagine, it is such deep work. I learned so much in this work and it is for me a most enlightening experience. So, you know, I worked in a way that is devising technique, that everybody offers what they have. And uh, this boy who was tied to a wheelchair, he was tied. He couldn't even sit upright Mm -hmm. and he couldn't walk. And he had really a great difficulty of moving his hands. So what he did was, I said, okay, now all of you show us a movement and we will learn this movement from you. So what he did was he just showed one really beautiful movement with his hand, but full of effort Mm -hmm. because it was very difficult for him to do this, but it was a most beautiful hand gesture. And then the whole group learned this hand gesture from him. Mm -hmm. We called it Nevin's movement because (laughs) his name was Nevin. And actually, then, in the end, this was the light motive of the whole dance performance. This beautiful moment by Nevin. Because I would just have them do the movement, the whole group, just stop in one moment and do the same movement of Nevin, but with the same beauty and effort. And I really, in that moment, I realized wow, what a wonderful world we live in and how much everybody has the capacity to give and to create art. Mm -hmm. And it was really an amazing performance that we did after this. I think it was a week-long workshop, but we succeeded in creating a whole dance performance that has as its leitmotiv Nevin's movement. And that was for me very, very beautiful and important moment. And I will always remember this. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. It must have been very interesting also for Nevin himself to see that his adding to the show was so uh, like the stellar point of the whole show. Yes, it was important for him. He was performing with us, of course, in the wheelchair, And it was really beautiful because he would show the movement and then everybody else would repeat it. And then we did it in different forms, in different ways. He was so proud. Such a wonderful, wonderful young man. Amazing. And we are still in contact through Facebook. Really? (laughs) This was years ago. Yes. (laughs) Wow. How's he doing these days? He's good. He's still, of course, trying to do some art, but you know how difficult it is. Mm. And uh, I really value when people uh, do this uh, kind of project. It was a project that was developed by a colleague from Montenegro, Olga Zulovic. I am really so thankful for her because she would invite me to teach. Yeah. And... uh, Also here in in Belgrade, we did, um, this was one of the first inclusive dance, but professional dance performances with dancers with disabilities. 
and was really successful. It even traveled to some festivals. So I am very proud to be choreographer of that piece with my colleague Boris Chakshir and two of us yeah. co-choreographed it. So. Wow. Yes, I, for me, that is, of course, I love working with any ages. I really believe in intergenerational work. Uh, I believe that there is a space, a space for working in art is a space of meeting mm, yeah. on a real human being and essential base. So I believe it's something very, very important to be able to create this space. Yeah, that's, of course, a great motivation. I think I am through all my questions. There's only one question remaining, which we always use to end the interview. And that is, is there anything I did not ask that you would still like to share with our listeners? Sometimes I think I have been living many lives. It is very mm -hmm. strange <laughs> because mm -hmm. also uh, I have been traveling in these different disciplines of dance and theater mm. and creating so many interesting projects with my colleagues and performances and meeting people that it would take a really long time <laughs> to talk about <laughs> for our listeners, <laughs> more interviews. <laughs> so for me, it's sometimes fascinating when I think of all the things I experienced. Yeah. And I think what is really important is traveling, meeting people, and that enriches your life so much, mm. you know. And I'm so happy I know you now, Linda, and I know Maya, <laughs> and I know all the colleagues from ITPD, from Ireland, from Greece. It's really something that enriches your life, and it is so important. Yeah, I feel the same. It's really yes. interesting to meet people from different countries who are used to different realities, but still on the basis we are all just human. <laughs> so that's, yeah, yes. I think that's really important. And I also feel we are all warriors of light, mm. as Paolo Coelho would say, warriors of light, because we are all dedicated to the same mission. That is a very noble mission. And it concerns art education. I think it's so important. It is. Well, on that note, as a warrior of light, <laughs> I want to thank you for spending this time with me. I really enjoyed this conversation. I got to know so much more about you. So did our listeners, of course. So thank you so much. Thank you very much, Linda. That brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to Tapping Into Creativity. In our show notes, you can find more information about our guests and the subjects that were discussed in this interview. If you liked what you heard, you can help us reach many more listeners by hitting the subscribe button, giving us a five-star review, and sharing the podcast with your friends and colleagues. Tapping Into Creativity is part of ITAPPD, which is short for International Teacher-Artist Partnership, professional development. We are currently building a model and training about partnership between teachers and artists in education. ITAPPD facilitates a place and time where we can jointly develop our understanding, expertise and creativity on working with young people. We explore and play with the different perspectives teachers and artists have on behavior, development and language. If you want to know more about our project, please visit us on any social platform as i-tap-pd. This podcast was made possible by funding from the Erasmus Plus Strategic Partnership Program. Partners in ITAP-PD are 
the Education Center in Tralee. Center za dramu u edukaciji i umetnosti, CEDEUM. Panelinio diktio ja to theatro sten ekpedevs. Stichting Copa, kunstedukatie. We were your hosts, Linda and Manja, from Stichting Copa in the Netherlands. Audio editing was done by Yelda Shahidi. Hope you tap in with us again. Have a nice day.